And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, April the 14th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 14, 1912, the British liner Titanic collided with an iceberg in the North Atlantic at 11.40 p.m. ship's time. It began sinking. The ship went under two hours and 40 minutes later with the loss of 1,514 lives. Today in 1759, German-born English composer George Frederick Handel, Handel's Messiah. He died in London. He was 74 years old. Today in 1828, the first edition of Noah Webster's American Dictionary of the English Language was published. Today in 1865, President Abraham Lincoln was shot, mortally wounded by John Wilkes Booth during a performance of the Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. Today in 1910, President William Howard Taft became the first U.S. chief executive to throw the ceremonial first pitch at a baseball game. Washington Senators beat the Philadelphia Athletics 3 to nothing. Today in 1935, Black Sunday, the dust storm descended upon the Central Plains during a sunny, warm afternoon. It turned the day into total darkness. That was the beginning of the Dust Bowl, which would result in an enormous migration from people out of the Midwest, southern Midwest in particular, out to California and elsewhere. Today, in 1981, the first test flight of America's first operational space shuttle, the Columbia, it ended successfully with a landing at Edwards Air Force Base in California. I noticed that today, Loretta Young, the country singer, she's 89 years old today, planning to sing for somebody, I don't know who, so she's still singing. Isn't she the one that, I'm not sure about this, but I, isn't she the one that's the coal miner's daughter and she... Did that? I think I think she's the one. Anyway, she's 89 years old today and still singing. So if you're 89 or younger, see you can keep singing. Don't don't stop singing. Psalm 27:1 says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid?" Well, the answer to that is no one and nothing. Trust the Lord. My main message today is God is in control. Never, ever forget that. Thank you for your support of this ministry. It's critical every month, believe me. And we have expanded into the Portland, southwest Washington market, as you know. I want to thank all of you who have helped us. I got this note from a person who regularly supports us but sent an extra check, a generous one. He said, a businessman in central Washington. He said, here is some help for your broadcast expansion. God bless you and your dedication. P.S. He said, you mentioned the other day, and I did on on this program, he said, you mentioned the government motto. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Well, that was, I was quoting Ronald Reagan. He said that. He said they were the most terrifying words. Well, this person says, uh, he quotes it, he said, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. He said, well, they've changed that to, quote, I'm from the government and I'm not happy till you're not happy. <laughs> True. Then he said, P.S., just filed my 2020 tax return. Income was down, contributions up, 
yet more money in my bank account, question mark. He said, my accountant, who is a Christian, said, duh. <laughs> I know that, that God's teaching, God's word has been abused in this, but God does bless those who give to the kingdom of God. There is no question about that. And I understand the abuses, believe me, and I, I don't go there. But I do know that God blesses us when we bless his kingdom. It is very difficult, in fact impossible, to outgive God. I want to thank all of you who stand with us monthly, and particularly to all of you who are standing with us right now to help us with this expansion of this ministry. I'm not going to go into the details. I did that the other day. But I, I just want to thank you. I feel that God really put this on my heart to do it, and uh, we are, and we didn't have the money to do it, so I shared it with you, and you are responding. Thank you so much. And thank you for responding each month so that we can continue here each day. We originate live at 9 a.m. in the morning. Some of you hear this program just an hour or two delayed, but it's very current, and hopefully it's relevant to what's going on in our life. And I believe it is because many of you tell me that it is. So thank you. And thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can contribute online. Our website is faithandfreedom.us, not .com or .org or anything. It's .us, like United States. Faithandfreedom.us. U.S. And there's a, um, you'll see my name, it says Faith and Freedom, and then it said Gary Randall Ministries. We added that here, oh, it's been a couple of years ago, legally, we added it to our name because we were faith, just Faith and Freedom, and we have been since 2004, but so many people started using the name Faith and Freedom. I, I mean, I'm flattered, but there weren't that many, if any, using it at that time. We found one group, they were local somewhere. That were, u- that were using that in a local way, but now it's become pretty famous, and people are using it. And, I mean, I understand because we thought it was a great name for a ministry, Faith and Freedom Foundation in our case, and we own the word network as well. But anyway, we've added my name. So if you don't see my name under Faith and Freedom, you're not on the right, right site. So be sure to check that out, and then you can donate online, and many of you do. But thank you so much for standing with us. There's a new book coming out next week, I think on the 20th. I'm not promoting it, but I'm merely using it to say something else that I want to say. It's written by a Susan Page. She's a, uh, a journalist. She's a reporter for USA Today. I would have guessed she was not uh, conservative. I don't know. But my point is that her book's coming out is titled Madam Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the Lessons of Power. It doesn't sound like all of the book is complimentary to Sister Nancy, who prays for everybody every day while she advances the most ungodly, unbiblical agenda, political agenda there is. Uh, She and Catholic, fellow Catholic Joe Biden, president. But anyway, this book gets into this thing about how Nancy Pelosi came into uh, political power. And in the book, it tells the story of how when she first ran for office in 1987, how she tricked the Republicans in San Francisco in her home district there, 
and she tricked them into, and these are the words the author uses, into backing her over another Democrat. The, the, what she said about the other Democrat was the other Democrat was openly homosexual, and she told the Republicans, you don't want someone like that representing you in Congress. And then she put out a mailer that promising, with an elephant on it, promising the Republicans that she would not raise taxes, but the openly homosexual would. And she went into great detail. I thought that was very interesting that all of that's coming out now. But, of course, none of that matters because words are merely tools to advance an agenda. The end always justifies the means in the mind of the progressive, so-called progressive. On April 4th, CBS's 60 Minutes maliciously edited comments made by Florida Governor Republican Ron DeSantis. He's a good guy. He's a Roman Catholic. He, unlike President Biden, believes in what his church teaches. He is strongly pro-life. He is strongly pro-marriage in the sense of one man and one woman. He stands for biblical principles, and he enacts them as governor. Therefore, he has become a target because he's a rising star among conservatives and Christians because of his straightforward integrity, his personal skills, his deep commitment to Christian conservative principles, and some, with great influence, are urging him to consider running for president this next election. Clearly, he's qualified. I would suspect that's why CBS and their news show, 60 Minutes, that's why they are now trying to discredit him. Here's how they tried to manipulate your perception of Governor DeSantis. I'll come back to that in a moment. But I want to talk to you about deception today. And I thought of a piece that Paul Harvey, remember Paul Harvey, had done. Some of you are so young you don't know who he is. I won't take the time to explain, but he was great. Probably the greatest guy that ever talked on radio. He and Rush Limbaugh, who were, were polar opposite as far as personality, probably were the most powerful voices ever on radio. But Paul Harvey gave this little talk, and I'm going to read it to you. This is These are his words, not mine, but, boy, I adopt them. I make them my own. But here's what he said. If I were the devil, Paul Harvey, if I were the prince of darkness, I want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. <laughs> so I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper, the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's good is bad. What's bad is good. And the old, and to the old, I would teach to pray after me. Our Father, which art in Washington, D.C. Then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anyone else who would appear dull and uninteresting... I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narco narcotics to whom I could. 
I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with the promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to redefine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have some drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I would evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, then from the houses of Congress. And if his own churches, and in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and defy science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet that I could get whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work in patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more, more fun, that what you see on TV is the way it should be, and thus I would undress you in public. And I could lure you into bed with diseases from which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Incredible guy. Deception. It's everywhere. It's hard to sort out the truth in the darkness and the kind of a gray cloud that hangs over our culture. CBS News aired their 60-minute show attacking DeSantis on their usual Sunday night airing schedule. It was on Easter Sunday. It wasn't related to Easter, but by Monday, April the 5th, a little over a week ago, watchful conservative eyes and ears had caught CBS in the act. They were trying to deceive the American public. Over the Easter weekend, 60 Minutes released this clip of correspondent Sharon Alfonsi basically heckling the governor with an already debunked conspiracy theory during this March press conference. Stay with me. On the, in April, they released a clip from March showing their person, this Alfonsi, heckling the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. And it made him look like he was refusing to answer her question like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all the rest of them do, except that's not true. DeSantis had laid it out. He had told them, told her, and told the press exactly what he was doing and why. And it had been extremely clear. But Alfonsi put on this fake anger, and she began. She said, Publix, the grocery store chain that isn't... I don't think it's here in the North. I've never been aware of it here, but it's a big deal in the kind of the Southeast. Publix is a large, as I said, a large grocery store, 
And she she beca- she said, Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign. Then you rewarded them with exclusive rights to distribute the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, in Palm Beach. DeSantis then, DeSantis then responds on camera. He said, well, first of all, what you're saying is wrong. So she shouts back at him, this Alfonsi. She said, how is that not pay for play? Pay for play is if you give me a donation, I'll do this for you. That's illegal. Everybody knows that. DeSantis then says on the tape, that's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County. And I said, here are some options. We can do drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix thing. Then, And he said, they all said, we think, these are all the the elected officials of Palm Beach County. He's the governor of Florida. He said, they all said, we think that would be the easiest thing for the residents. Do Publix. Alfonsi then shouts back. She shouts at the governor and says, well, Palm Beach County Commissioner Melissa McKinley says DeSantis never met with her about Publix, the Publix deal. Continuing, she shouts, the criticism here is that this is pay-for-play, Governor. He responds again and says, it's wrong, it's wrong. Once again explained that he had laid it out before her and before all the press how that had happened, that it wasn't even his decision. Well, they edited out a part of that whole clip to make it look like DeSantis was, first of all, he looked ri- ridiculous. And while he was claiming a victory that he didn't earn, that he was really trying to cover up something, it appears to be he's merely throwing out words. They're not connected because they edited them to make him sound more like Joe Biden than himself. He's an intellect. He was a, a lawyer in the Navy with JAG. And um, he's a Harvard grad, Harvard Law School. I mean, brilliant guy, deeply committed, loves the Lord. And he is deeply committed conservative and a very astute politician. So they're trying to bring him down. So they made it look like he was stumbling around without the right words and so on and so forth. They made him look kind of dumb, really. So Fox News got involved in this, and they summarized DeSantis' full answer. The bottom line, I don't have time to go through it here, but he laid it out in detail, very articulately, on video. But they took out all that, and they put in words that weren't even connected to one another. Like he was just thinking up words. Like I said, like Joe Biden does all the time. I mean, he can't help it, and I feel sorry for him. I do. But he just can't carry more than a sentence or two. And they made Ron DeSantis look like that, and he's anything but that. After being called out publicly by Fox and others, CBS in their 60 Minutes continued to double down on it this week. Even the former head of Florida's emergency management agency, he's a Democrat, he said, come on, you guys, I'm quoting him, he said, none from the governor's office suggested Publix. He said nobody in his office was trying to give this contract to Publix. He said they were ready to start and all of the others were not, and the elected officials, some of whom were Democrats from from uh, Palm Beach County, he said, they all said, well, we've got to go with Publix because we want to get this vaccine out there. So this public spokesperson told Fox, they said the irresponsible suggestion that there was a connection between the campaign contributions made to Governor DeSantis and our willingness 
to join other pharmacies in support of the state's vaccine distribution efforts is absolutely false and offensive. We're proud of our pharmacy associates for administering more than 1.5 million doses of vaccine to date and for joining other retailers in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, etc., to do our part to help the communities emerge from the pandemic. CBS has a history of this. I could give you a number of examples. I'll just give you one that you may remember. Back in 2006, even the New York Times got upset at them, and these guys rarely, they rarely get upset at one another. These guys, I'm talking about the far left, the press. <laughs> but they got upset back in 2006, and they published this about CBS. They said an independent panel convened to investigate a discredited broadcast about President Bush's Vietnam-era National Guard Service was concluded has concluded that the network's news division rushed the report onto their air in September, this was 2006, in a frenetic dash to beat its competitors. The report also says the network failed to seriously consider contradictory information raised not only before this segment was aired, but for nearly two weeks afterwards. I'm quoting from the New York Times in 2006. At that time, CBS was trying to discredit a guy named George W. Bush. (laughs) Now, 16 years later, they're trying to take the same tack to discredit Republican governor of this large, politically important state who may run for president in 2024. I hope he does. During that episode, Dan Rather, back in 2006, he got all involved in this. He hated the Bush family. I understand I'm not as big a fan as I once was of the Bush family, to be honest with you. But Dan Rather just hated them. And he was leading this thing. He was the point of the spear, so to speak. He ended up stepping down. CBS then came out and made, wrote article after article after article telling the public and assuring the public it had nothing to do with him, his the attack, the story about George W. Bush. Well, it had everything to do with that. But apparently CBS is so humiliated now by the way that the public has dismissed them and their attempt to smear this Governor DeSantis, they made one last attempt on Sunday, just a couple of days ago, this past Sunday. They made reference to the story once again. I was I was shocked. I mean, dumb me out here. I, what do I know? But I was thinking, man, if I was CBS, I don't think I would be talking about this because everybody and their pup knows that these guys have been lying from the get-go and they did the unthinkable, supposedly, in, in, in the media and the news, they went in and edited an actual video quote from a guy that they're trying to bring down. I mean, that's as bad as it gets. They put it on the air to millions of people who sit there and watch it and go, wow, I didn't know he was that bad. And they're doing this by editing and chopping the words and just putting words coming out of his mouth that are meaningless. As I said before, much like Joe Biden does on his own. He doesn't need help. Ah, So anyway, anyway, they come out and they say, make another reference on Sunday to this story. And they summed it up with this. They actually honestly said this. They said in defense of themselves, CBS 60 Minutes, they said, quote, some viewers, including a retired newsman, applauded our story. 
that's all they've got. And they, I mean, I don't, I mean, are they thinking clearly? I don't know. Probably not. Why would they bring this back when anybody that's looked into this, and now you know if you haven't, that they made up the story, they edited the video of a very articulate lawyer who's, and conservative, extremely conservative, governor of Florida. And now they're saying that some viewers, including a retired newsman, I, I know retired newsmen, some of them listen to this program, I've heard from you. But a retired newsman applauded the story. And somehow they feel that'll give credibility to it. That's how much they rely on deception. The assumption here is more about what they think about us than they even think about trying to bring down or destroy Governor DeSantis. The Bible has so much to say about manipulation. Through examples, principles, direct commands, Scripture warns us against manipulating others and against allowing others and ourselves to be manipulated. I don't have time to go into all of it. If we had another half hour or so, we'd go into it more deeply. But John 8, chapter 8, verse 44 says, Satan is the father of lies. We could also say he's the master of manipulation. He manipulated Eve. We know that story, using half-truths, while appearing, appealing to her desire for wisdom to deceive her into disobeying God. And he was successful with that. Samson comes to my mind, though. Let me let me just leave this thought with you. You know Samson. Everybody's heard of Samson, the big, strong guy. He was the victim of manipulation at least a couple of times in his life. At his wedding cele- celebration, he posed a riddle. Remember that? To the Philistine attendees. He said if they could answer him correctly, he would give them, this is in Judges chapter 14, verse 12, he would give them 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. That was a lot, I guess. The Philistines were stumped. They couldn't figure out the riddle. So they resorted to asking Samson's wife to coax him the answer, uh, to get the answer to tell them so they could get all this free stuff. She agreed, and in verses 16 and 17 of Judges 14, we read that she threw himself, uh, herself on him, sobbing, saying, You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't even told me the answer. In fact, the Bible says she cried the whole seven days of the feast. And finally, in verses 16 and 17, finally, Samson allowed himself to be manipulated into giving her the answer, which she promptly relayed to her townspeople. Later on, as we well know, Samson fell victim to the manipulative Delilah. I'm not absolving him from his sins and his flaws. He was very flawed. But he was manipulated. That ultimately, the Delilah episode, ultimately cost him his life. As you know, that's in Judges 16. But there are reasons why America does not trust the press today, nor should we. And yet there are people who do. Each and every day they imbibe this stuff that's coming out of the press. I'm telling you, it's not true. Much of what they're saying isn't true. In some cases, it's edited to the degree that we've talked about today. Well, thank you so much for spending a half hour with us today. Thank you for your support, your prayers, and thank you for tuning in. Share with your friends. Tell them to tune in as well. I'll see you tomorrow.